0: Welcome to Once Upon a Disney, an analytical yet fun-loving look at Disney narrative filmography from the 20th century. I'm Andy Redwine, and with me as always is my co-host, who always looks for the story behind the story, the king of New York himself, Larry Brenner. How are you, Larry? I'm doing
1: pretty swell here in New York, Andy, but I got a problem. I gotta sell these papers. I gotta sell (laughs) them. They ain't moving. They ain't moving. I wonder... I wonder what movie we're doing today. <laughs> uh, believe it or not, Andy, we are doing Newsies from 1992.
0: My gosh, I cannot believe this movie is from 1992. We we're taping this on the precipice of 2023, so you know what? Better way to start a new year than with a look at Newsies, right? Oh, that's a stretch, uh-huh. but I'll,
1: I'll I'll back you on that.
0: <laughs> it's thematic. That's right. Well, some key facts to get this party started. This movie musical is inspired by events surrounding the historical newsboy strike of 1899. Now, there were some newspaper publishers who weren't uh, fairly compensating their workforce of youth salesmen. And the strike stopped circulation of the papers owned by Joseph Pulitzer and William Randolph Hearst for several days. The strike lasted two weeks. Um, but, you know, most of the newsboys came from poor immigrant families. They bought the papers at 50 cents a hundred. They sold each paper for a penny. And hopefully they made 50 cents at the end of the day. Right. Uh, So the newsboys were shouldering all the risk. They were making the rich richer and themselves potentially poorer. So it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting thing, I think. Uh, And striking makes a lot of sense. So before its release in 1992, Newsies was roundly panned by critics. Uh, It resulted in one of the biggest box office failures in the Disney company's history a uh, 15 million dollar budget for this movie brought in 2.8 million at the box office.
1: Not great. Wow. Wow. I I would not have expected that cuz I, I always hear about this movie. I hear people love this movie all the time. Oh,
0: absolutely. So, through VHS and DVD rentals and showings on the Disney Channel, the mu- musicals fan base grew And, of course, Christian Bale becomes quite a star, right? Uh, It grew so much that the company actually adapted the movie into a Broadway musical nearly 20 years after the release of the film to recoup some of their losses, Mm -hmm. Uh, which, you know, they started that. Yeah. So uh, the original script for Newsies was a drama, but Jeffrey Katzenberg wanted to kind of follow The Little Mermaid with another musical. So Alan Menken... And his friend, lyricist Jack Feldman, were tasked with creating the music for the film. The music was all pre-recorded in order to facilitate the choreography of the film, and so the pair had to work really quickly. Ooh, uh,
1: that explains a lot to me, Andy. Because does it? it, it it's not that I, it, it's not that I don't like this film. I'm not coming in hot the way I came in with the Santa Claus last week, <laughs> um, but that that the idea was we had a film story first and then we decided to make a musical but there was not a lot of time to turn it around and make it into a musical that all rings right. true here which is not to say the end result is bad because i i don't i don't think that it is but but there are a lot of rough edges here that i i think mm-hmm. could use some smoothing
0: right so um if you really like this story and you like newsies as much as I do, I highly recommend the extras on Disney plus. Uh, they're just incredible the, the my favorite one is the actors talking about pranking the director, Kenny Ortega, who was a well-known choreographer, but a first time director. So once they filled his trailer to the ceiling with newspapers, so he opens the trailer and he's just filled with newspapers. Um, once he fell prey to an epic water gun and water bucket attack. And it's just super cute listening to the actors talk about, you know, how they enjoyed their time with him. So, you know, you got
1: a bunch of kids that sounds like he created a fun atmosphere for them. So I
0: think I think
1: it was really
0: fun. I mean, Christian Bale talked about this is a musical. I don't I don't like musicals. I don't want to sing. And um, then you know he got into it, so it worked out.
1: All right, let's let's get into this movie because there's a lot to talk about here. Uh, and I want to start as we always do with the manish tana and ask why this movie starts where it starts, and where it starts. And and Andy, I gotta ding it a little bit here at the beginning. I promise I won't stay mm-hmm. there. But we start. We set up basically the world of New York, 1899. It is the dawn of the new day. And while the boys don't have an alarm clock, we we do see that they're all sleeping in this very crowded set of beds. But then uh, an an older gentleman comes in and wakes them up. It's time to get up and and get ready to go to work. Uh, Now, we have dinged previous movies for starting in this particular way. Can you give me, can you give me, can you justify it for me?
0: Can, okay. Well, I, a little. Um, okay. The boarding house for me feels like a boy's version of Annie, mm-hmm. the movie musical. And Jack is clearly in the Annie role. Uh, they carrying the banner and that whole thing where they're all getting ready in the morning uh, is a recreation of a, some historical photographs of the Newsboys boarding house. There were a few of those. So you see them shaving. There's a picture of that. You see um, them all laying in bed. There's a picture of that. So I think there's some historicity going on there. Um, Backing up a little bit further, we start with this grounding into a historical picture with the Horace Greeley statue. Right Now, your average Disney viewer (laughs) probably isn't going to know who Horace Greeley is, but uh, he was the founder and editor of the New York Tribune.
1: I like to start and every tri- movie with Horace with Greeley. Horace Greeley.
0: <laughs> right. I mean, so I'm going to ding this movie a little bit for that because I think if you're going to do that, you have to know there are things you have to know. And uh, the the Tribune was launched by Greeley in in like about the 1840s, probably early 1840s, and was one of the first newspapers. That sponsored a lot of reforms like feminism, pacifism, workers' rights, lots of social, de- you know, socially democratic reforms. Right? They're against slavery. Uh, Greeley actually ran for president, but was defeated by Grant. Uh, and and the One Pace Plaza on Pace University's campus in New York is where the New York Tribune used to sit. So if you're interested, I mean, those are all very kind of cool things, right? Um, but we came here. It's not in the movie, so you can't, you know, unless you're going to unpack that why these kids are resting in the literal lap of of Greeley, and you're going to make that a big deal. You need to know why that's a big deal. We need a, a statement about it, and it just it certainly sets the stage for fighting against the man, right? Sure. But if you do, if you don't know that. That's, that's, right? exactly, that's that.
1: exactly it. You can't start your movie with footnotes that, that you're not even right. delivering <laughs> to the audience. Unless you have Correct. Andy sitting next to you, having done her research and giving you all of this context, it, I'm a little baffled. I, I also want to say I also wrote that this felt like the boy's version of Annie to the point where yeah. I thought that the that the older gentleman who was waking them up at the boarding house was going to be an important character in this movie. Like Miss Hannigan, right? Or, I mean, <laughs> I mean, or Fagan from from Oliver Twist. Ah, I, there, I you felt you like, okay, there you go. OK, we are establishing that all of these boys are in the thrall of this guy who's running a boarding house and he's going to be maybe an antagonist in this movie. And he is maybe a day player. Um, it It's putting yeah. the emphasis on the wrong thing. I promise, Andy, I have better thoughts about the rest of this. I'm just saying the opening.
0: Well, I mean, and there are also some other things, too. Like the nuns uh, are feeding these boys as children. They're working like men. I'm like, oh, are we going to see some nuns? We do not. They never come Uh, back in. Then there's a mother that's crying, uh, God save my son, who apparently the son has gone off to, you know, I don't know, work for a living. And how terrible is that? right? And so that's but we never see her again. So there's a lot that happens here and it's hard to get really grounded. I mean, it does set the stage for the world of this yes, film. For sure. But it but it takes a hot second for us to really get into what's going on. Because
1: we're not getting keyed into what's important and what's not important. Yes, we're seeing right. a lot of things, but but we have no compass as to what we should care right. about. So The other thing we see, uh, and we're moving into exposition, we see that adults are striking and that there is a violent response being met to these adults striking. This is going to be important, although it doesn't necessarily—the results of that strike we will will not get in this movie. But in terms of inspiring the Newsies later to do their own strike— uh, it does have some importance here but it's in a sea of other things that are going on uh the most important thing that we established during this during this early section here is the character of the newsies these are street smart kids uh who may not be educated but are definitely intelligent, definitely have like a worldliness to them they've seen a mm-hmm. lot you know one of the, one of them you know makes bets on the track and and they're all talking about how to move papers you know they they've grown up too quickly way too quickly uh, yeah. and and also they are not self-pitying there's no woe no. is me i'm poor and when i say i to the, to the point that when we meet crutchy uh, crutchy is like, you know, you know, Jack. I, I got to find a place where where people are aren't used to seeing my crutch. Uh, I I feel like the like I'm I'm not getting all the pity points I should be getting. But he himself is not like, woe is me? I've got a crutch." Uh, it, it, yeah. He's like he's like I maybe I have to fake my fake it like it's worse than it actually is. But he but they are generally happy and more or less content with the current status quo. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that a fair statement? I, I wouldn't say content. I would say resigned.
0: Yeah, I, they're resigned to
1: it. I mean, they're, they're just not miserable, is, is what I'm saying. Yeah, there you if, go. If nothing ever happened in this movie, they would continue to do what they're doing without complaint. Is that fair? Well,
0: there is a company store sort of aspect to this, too, in that the Newsies have a boarding house that they have to pay for to be there. Right. Um, There is a, uh, you, you sense some wistfulness, you know, with the kid who's trying to make it big on the horses or um, what would it be like to have a family or whatever? I mean, you sense this wistfulness, but I content is strong, but yeah, I I I won't
1: quibble too much. The audience I think is discontentful for them because we know they should Uh have it better they themselves don't believe that they they believe there are other kids who are significantly worse off than they are uh, and that may well be true in this world and and there's a general there's a general optimism and love of the Mm -hmm. life that they lead which I think is pervasive at the beginning of this movie, including the fact that when they go to work, they go to work singing and dancing. Um, they, yeah. they are happier about That's going true. to work than the seven dwarfs are. <laughs> and the seven dwarfs are pretty happy. Wait, pretty, Except for that really one. <laughs> um, so uh, moving, us, moving us along in plot, we're, I have a trouble Pinpointing what the inciting what the movie thinks the inciting incident is, and what the actual inciting incident of the movie should be. and mm. because because the truth of the matter is, uh, andy Andy, I would say the real inciting incident of this movie doesn't happen until forty minutes in. Forty minutes in, Mr. Pulitzer starts to raise the price on newspapers for newsies. And that's going to cause all of the plot changes that are going to happen. It's going to disrupt the status quo. Up until then, we're just getting to see how newsies live and survive. Um, And and I think that's the plot inciting incident. But 40 minutes is late. And I'm wondering if there's another place where we might see an inciting incident.
0: I think um, if uh, Jack's arc is about making a connection and going from no connection to having a family, I think his meeting David and Les and striking a bargain with them to sell papers and then actually going to their home I think that feels like an inciting incident to me because it's rocking Jack's world. Not the world of the Newsies so much, but it's definitely a switch in Jack's life to see how a family operates. And
1: I think you're right. I think if you were to ask the people who wrote this, they would say, this is one of those historic meetings. This is Kirk meeting Spock on Star Trek. Um, you know, Jack, I, but I, But I think so, that Jack and David are going to meet each other and and form one of those friendships that changes their lives forever. They are very oh, yeah. different boys with very different upbringings and very different backgrounds and yet they're going to become f- friends forever. Uh, my right. problem with this. And again, again, Andy, I liked this movie overall is if that's in the inciting incident, we're seeing the movie from the wrong character. Which is to say, Mm. David is the one entering the world of the Newsies. Jack has been here all along. So if this movie Mm. started in a different place, if we started with David and David's family, we see David's dad gets injured in the strike, uh, and that David, for the first time, he has to drop out of school for a bit and meet the other Newsies. We see the world of the Newsies from his perspective and then he meets jack we are never ahead of our protagonist and and also we we've gotten an inciting incident about 5 minutes into the movie uh, jack david's life has been changed early he he was right. he was he had a different social standing and it's immediately been changed but because we're following this more from jack's perspective jack is just seeing yet another in a string of children uh becoming newsies he's seen it before he will see it again. It does not register as special to him. What do you think about that am i am i off well
0: i i think I think you're right i get I get how you can see a structural protagonist issue here i I do think that this is a a madman kind of thing mm-hmm. uh, where you have, you know, Don Draper is really Dick Whitman. Right. And, and we know, and Jack Kelly is really kind of a liar and, and he's Francis Sullivan. Right. Um, he's a complex kid. And I think that that complexity is something that Dave, the presence of David and less as almost antagonists kind of peel away from him, but it's, it's weird that, th- and, and honestly, when we covered Pollyanna, that's kind of the same except kind we, of thing we, we have com- going on.
1: Pollyanna comes in, in about 30 seconds, 40 seconds, and we meet everybody through Pollyanna. She's the stranger. We meet right. everybody through Jack, and Jack has been here for a while. And that, for me, I think, right. in hindsight, uh, Jack meeting yeah. David is the inciting incident of this movie, but... But you don't – it doesn't register at the time as particularly important. Uh, And it isn't until later that we actually learn what's special and different about David and and Les. Um, So so for me, I was a little bit lost here. And it wasn't until, again – 38 minutes down, down the movie, when Pulitzer is is given the choice of how to make his newspaper more profitable and takes it out on the Newsies, that I felt like, okay, mm-hmm. now we're on an adventure. And I feel like we can't yeah, adventure this, yeah. if it's David's first journey into the world of the Newsies
0: that makes sense and that makes sense i mean i do see that the structure could definitely be tightened I'm, i think things could be tightened up yeah
1: and, and and it's basically the same story it's just who are we over the shoulder with um and and mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. both share the protagonist function in this movie i feel like right now it's 60% jack 40% david and i would probably make it or 70 30 or right 30 <laughs> and i would probably swing the percentages the other way uh, if, if well David David's the more
0: interesting character, I think, in that he is entering this world that he does not know. He doesn't know how to work the papers situation. No. And and Jack is could be a great antagonist. And I mean, I think it could be yeah, I think there could be more. What's missing is conflict between the two of That's them. That's exactly they settle this they settle this really quickly Ver- when they decide to sell paper very
1: quickly. together. Um and and again, you know, from the audience perspective, if we, if we're seeing the injustices, David might mm-hmm. be the one seeing the injustices because he's seeing them for the first time, and we're probably right. more in sync with his perspective than with than with mm-hmm. Jack's perspective. Uh, and when I'm summing up the first forty minutes up until we get to the Pulitzer issue. Mm-hmm. It's basically Jack takes David around and introduces him to the world of pushing papers. We learn some things about Jack's backstory that there is someone who is out to get him because he broke away from you know a juvenile detention center uh and it, somehow in somehow a, in a story that is never fully revealed to us that involves Theodore Roosevelt uh I, <laughs> I kept waiting for that story. He keeps saying, "Like I have this amazing story about how I escaped with Teddy Roosevelt," and I'm like, "Maybe, maybe yeah. you want to tell it. Maybe that should be a movie." Maybe, <laughs> um, but no, I'm, I'm watching you sell newspapers. But but please, like, mm. how? He's like, "David, are you ever going to ask?" And David's like, "Probably, nah. I think you want me to." I'm like, "I want you to, Jack. Tell me." <laughs> Um, we get we we find out that Jack has allies in the city, uh, most notab- notably. Somehow he has become connected to like the the most famous burlesque singer in New York, uh, and can like crash at her cabaret uh, from from time to time. Um, and he also tells us a backstory that even when he tells it rings as false, that he's got a bunch of family out in Santa Fe who are waiting for him. He's just trying to save up the money to go to Santa Fe where they all are. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it sounds super sketch, even when he says it, and when it's revealed as a lie down, down, the, down the road, um, I didn't exactly gasp, nor do I think we're supposed to. Uh, David introduces Jack to his family, Uh, Which Mm -hmm. his father, you know, uh, and and mother provide like a real stable family life, something Jack's never had. And Jack also kind of has like a meet cute with David's sister. Really the thing that gets our uh, pick uh, our ticket punched to go on an adventure is Pulitzer decides in order to be more competitive in in the world he needs to make more money he can't raise the charges on newspapers because no one will buy them if he does that. Right. Uh he does have an option other than uh you know what he ultimately goes to which is he could take a pay cut. But uh he doesn't seem to hear that option and instead Yeah, he's not going to do that. Yeah, right? Sure. Very, I mean, very realistic circles back to the idea that the newsies need to be paying more for the privilege of selling his newspaper. And and that's what he decides to do. The newsies are outraged. And I think it's worth pointing out justifiably, justifiably. So Pulitzer's plan is immediately a failure. They immediately stop buying the newspapers, um, and Jack. You know, like all the kids look to Jack for leadership, but Jack doesn't actually know what to do. He looks to David, and David said, "This is mm-hmm. exactly why we need a union. This is why we need to strike because because this unfairness that is is being thrown our way, we need to show the strength of our power." Right, and I feel like I can get through the plot pretty quickly here because most of the movie from this point on is the newsies you know reaching out to other newsies to join the strike uh if there are some kids who are scabs and they get quote unquote soaked uh for doing it uh and about we get like about a half hour of that and then um, there are some connections made. Crutchy has been has been taken into the juvenile detention center, and inadvertently mm-hmm. reveals to the head of the juvenile detention center that he knows Jack, um, and that Jack, you know, actually is the same one who got uh, who who escaped the juvenile detention center. Which this warden has never forgotten. This warden is like Captain Ahab, and Jack is his whale. <laughs> He's like, no kid. Is, he is he is Javert and Jack is Jean Valjean. Mm-hmm. Like one kid mm-hmm. escaped his detention center and he's never forgotten it. It has become the fo- yeah. focus of his life. Mm-hmm. He arrests Jack um, and then brings, J- Jack is sentenced to an even longer stay in the juvenile detention center till he's 21, which wow. long time. Um And but there's a deal to be made. Pulitzer takes Jack and says, listen, I can make all of this go away. You got to start selling my papers. I need to break this union. And at first, Jack is very resistant to it, but then comes around to it like, hey, you know what? Yep. No one's ever looked out for me. David's got a family. I've got nobody. Why, mm-hmm. why am I? Why am I suffering for for these uh, for all these other people? And so you know, Jack becomes a scab. One of one of these boys that they're gonna soak. Uh, it isn't until Sarah gets mm-hmm. gets assaulted by some of Pulitzer's boys in a yucky yucky scene that never. Fully realizes it's yuckiness, but the yuckiness is implied that Jack realizes Hmm. how far he's fallen. Uh, David, in the meantime, has taken up the leadership. There's also a bit here. They're getting guidance. I skipped it, but they're getting guidance from uh, a reporter from the New York Sun, who's helping to publicize the Newsies. And right- Right, Brian Denton. Brian Denton. And mm-hmm. right before Jack gets nabbed and makes his deal with Pulitzer, Denton gets reassigned and is sort of like, I'm sorry, boys, but what am I going to do? If, if, uh, if I keep covering your story, I'll never get hired again. Sort of, <laughs> sort of, sort of sets up, this is the way the world works. You're, you're heroic for a time, but, but eventually they push you to the line and you have to fold. And so Denton's right. folding is a model for Jack folding. Mm-hmm. Jack comes back around to the union side. Uh, and I, I mean, we, what would you say the climax of this movie is?
0: Well, I would say there are multiple climaxes because we have a couple of different storylines. We need to wrap up. Sure. Um, one of the biggest places of tension is Jack versus Pulitzer. Right. And him calling him Joe. And he leans in, you know, he, he calls him Joe, <laughs> which I, I think is um, a moment where they've printed their own papers on his presses mm-hmm. and it's, and Pulitzer kind of has a look like, all right, you beat me this time, you know, doesn't say anything. Uh, and then they go down, and of course, he hoists less on his shoulders, and we beat him, right? Yeah. Um, so that feels like one climax. I think when the warden is jailed uh, for stealing from the kids and eating better than the kids in the juvenile detention center, I think that's a, a nice little wrap.
1: Kind of is, although the movie hasn't really been about that. And and when the come up, like at first, when he's getting hauled, hauled off into the, the police wagon, I'm like, wait, what happened? He was arrested for what? Right, Um, right. They explained it after the fact. Off
0: of, yeah, 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 yeah. And then um, I think Jack's decision to come back instead of going to Santa Fe and connecting with his his true family. I've got a family here. um, I think that is a pretty big right. Big
1: deal. Uh, Teddy Roosevelt tells Jack he'll take Jack wherever he wants. Jack wants to go to the train station and go to Santa Fe. He disappears. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, like, everybody's like, okay, I guess, you know, that's it for Jack. But then Jack comes back, uh... Again, it's a weird choice for me, Andy, because Jack has his his dark midnight of the soul there off camera in sort of like a Han Solo sort of way. I guess I guess something happened. Jack realized he need to come back or maybe Jack was like, this is going to be great. I'm going to make them all think I left them, but we're just going to circle the block three times and then I'm going to come back. I'm not. It could be either one. I mean, the
0: interesting thing is you think you're getting a falling action because the strike's over, and it's just more of the same for the Newsies, and yeah, I guess we're going back to the way things were, right? We won, but did we really win? Did they really
1: win? Because as we pointed out, at the beginning of this, you and I were unhappy with with the standard of living that the Newsies Mm -hmm. had. The Newsies have fought to maintain the status quo and not slip further, but- are things better I guess things are better for them because Warden Snyder is is going to be imprisoned but I got mm-hmm. news for you Warden Snyder is part of a systemic problem yeah um yeah. and and you know it's it doesn't get solved with just one man I and I guess maybe that is the limit of doing a story that is based on historical uh, based on his history, is we can't get a satisfying ending because, and this is spoilers for real life, listener, real life is, is rarely satisfying in the way that a story can be. It's not as neat and tied up. Uh, There's there's a lot, there's a lot of fighting to keep things as terrible as they are right now. (laughs) Right. We didn't make it worse, but we didn't make it better. (laughs) Right. I mean, I think, and
0: I think that's kind of a, what makes it better is that we're going to continue to stick together. And if Jack comes back, then that means that we're all together, no matter what happens.
1: Right. Found family. We, we, we have to take comfort in the idea of found family because found family is the only system through which we can challenge the larger injustices is finding commonality with other people. Uh, And thematically, I think that's, I think that's what this movie is about. I would agree with you.
0: I let's dig into some of these characters. Um so we have Jack, they call him Cowboy, uh Kelly. Uh he's also Francis Sullivan, we learn later on. This is a really complex kid who's had a lot of emotional trauma. Uh his father's in jail, mom's dead. I get that anyway. Um and and trauma, you know, he says things like, your family's real nice, like mine. Right. And trauma, I think, makes him lie. I think he wants, and I think that's a really interesting way to write a character, when you have them sharing something that isn't true, but you like them, we like Jack, so we don't fault him for his lies, but we do want to see him overcome the reasons he does His lie. lies does are that his
1: armor. His lies yeah. are, you know, being able to lie is to protect himself from recognizing how unhappy he is. And probably mm-hmm. all of the boys are lying to themselves at, on some level or not in order to have the illusion of being happy with where they are. Uh, and mm-hmm. we get the sense when he sings the song Santa Fe, which I know is one of your favorites, um that mm-hmm. is a place where he reveals how unhappy he is, how he doesn't want this newsy life forever. It is his Disney princess I want song. Uh which right. is which is when I when I
0: dream on my own, I'm alone but I ain't lonely, right? Right. I I, I think that it's just a it is the Disney princess. That's that's exactly what that is. It that is
1: uh, Ariel singing "Part of My World," right? Except you, you know, I was and I was actually thinking about Bill Bell wanting more of this provincial life. Except I kind of in my head see Bell like walking walking past like this newsie who's really struggling, and Bell's just like time to get my free book from the library from the bookseller. Uh, oh woe is me as as Jack is out there going like, oh they raised my newspaper prices again, Bell, and she's like, that's nice. Right. I'm I'm (laughs) going to go get my free book.
0: Thank you. Thank you very much. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Uh, Man, man. Um, I love, I do love his arc, though. And I think the connection from going to no connection to found family and realizing what's important uh, in life, that there's more than just hustling papers as a... I find
1: the movie very hard to watch, not in a poorly crafted sort of way. When he's a scab, Um, I'm I'm like, I'm like, come on, Jack, you know better than this. It, it, this wasn't a lesson I thought he needed to learn uh, in the course in the course of this movie, and I feel like it is directly tied into Denton's turn earlier Mm -hmm. earlier in this. Um, and, mm-hmm. and maybe there needed yeah. to be a little bit more space for a Denton Jack relationship where Jack is looking to Denton as his hero, as his surrogate mm-hmm. father figure. I think it's in the movie. I just I just think mm-hmm. because all of Denton's scenes are with all of the boys and there's no real one on one time between Denton and Jack that Denton's betrayal doesn't hit as hard and and. Because it doesn't hit as hard for us, it, it makes it harder for us to understand why Jack does what he does. I think it's there in the movie, but I think if you're not a close watcher, you're like, what yeah. is Jack doing? You're going to miss it.
0: And when la- I, I, I get this feeling, and like we said earlier, I get this feeling that this movie started as... Well, we know that, right, from what my research. we that The movie starts as a screenplay ends up as a musical. And I think a lot of the screenplay ends up on the cutting room floor because I think we're missing. I feel like there are scenes we're missing. That is exactly, uh,
1: that is exactly. Does that make no. sense? Like,
0: and, and that's one of them. And that's one of them. Uh, another scene, let's, let's kind of shift and talk about David Jacobs a Before we a do, bit. I have one
1: more thing to say about Jack because it, yeah, yeah, yeah. this directly speaks to what you're talking about, a scene that we're missing. Jack has betrayed all of the newsies all of them. Mm-hmm. And we never have a scene where he's welcomed back into the fold where they forgive where he apologizes to them. Right. And they forgive him and and he's just once again their leader. And I'm like if we're I mean, I doing think, I I that- think it's
0: implied I think it's implied when they start, you know, the paper and start you know, when he kind of comes to himself, but he, you know, I you would like to see doesn't something get where he he doesn't get he to be changes. in charge
1: again, Andy. They might forgive him and let him back. He doesn't get right. to be in charge again. David has grown into that role now, and and, right. and now Jack's got to learn how to be a supporter. That that right. you know he can't be the patriarch of a family if he doesn't believe in family or if he's the last one to learn it.
0: Right, right. Um, another scene I think that's missing. We talk about David, um, and we talk you know, about him serving in sort of the Moses role. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think there's a scene missing or, or at least there was a scene at that dinner table where it's a lot different. At that dinner table, Jack does a lot of the talking and he even says, maybe I'm talking too much. I'm like, yeah, yeah you, you, got you are. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because. <laughs> I thought the same thing. Because, yeah, it's, it's one Where I really want the father with the broken arm to sort of be that catalyst, to educate the young people about how his sons wouldn't have to go to work if there was a union protecting him, right? We know David's been to school, but he knows an awful lot. And outside the family, he says to Jack, he's got no union to protect him. Like, how do you know that, David? Like, how do you... Like, is that something you've all talked about as a family? And now you're like, I think it should happen on screen. And it's one of those moments that I I think it's a missed opportunity for relationship and for a reveal for this family to see why David and Les are working so hard. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's implied, but I think it needs if Jack's the protagonist and they're functioning as antagonists, man, it needs to hit him in the gut. And it doesn't because they're going to lose this great family because of something and 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 these boys are going to miss out on their on their family the family that Jack's always wanted because there's no union and it's a little shift it's not a huge change but it's just a moment where i think again we need to ratchet ratchet that up a little bit i mean
1: i mean there there are places to put tension in there even even the part where where um David's dad says to his wife, you know, like, let's boil down the soup a little bit. Make that a thing where she's like, you're too generous. We can't feed this boy. You know, like, like that it actually causes or a little he, bit. When
0: he's of, like, can I have some more? And they feed him some more. And nobody goes, you know, like, I don't know. Do we have enough? I mean, there's
1: what, what Jack needs to see is this is a family about to be destroyed by a system just like yes. his family was destroyed. He couldn't yes. save his family. Can he save David's? You know, it's it's yes. a Batman story in that sense.
0: Yes, yes, it's a it is, and so um, I think, yeah, I think that's what I'm missing there. It's it, it just feels like we hurry through some of these scenes to get to the singing and dancing, and and I think that they would have a lot more you know gravitas if and a lot more weight. If we would just stay there a and moment. And this
1: is exactly the thing. Because of the emphasis on singing and dancing, which seems to have been from your notes an afterthought. Um, it's not it's not an organic shift to singing and dancing. And it's not it's not it's basically what can we remove to make space for the singing and dancing? Mm-hmm. Um, it's just if this and and
0: I know that this is And this is, is a producer problem, not a filmmaker problem. I would agree. I would agree because my guess is they went in with one idea and and it feels like a lot's been shifted around and they're doing the best with what the parameters are.
1: I have said to Andy in pre-production, "Well, this movie for me was okay." And by okay, I would I would give it I would give it a B. I enjoyed watching it. I need never watch it again. As a Broadway musical, which would have three to three and a half hours, where there would be more space to develop the characters and the singing and dancing is organic to the form. I think I would love it. Mm-hmm. And I'll test that at some point. I mean, I'll, I'll go see Newsies a, at some point. Yeah, you should. Um, it's scary, But, but I, I, really, I really feel like the core concept of what this movie was supposed to be doesn't lend towards the form it ultimately landed on
0: yeah yeah well i love this movie and i would watch it again sure. like today but <laughs> but the, i i think i i think you're right um digging in a little deeper with some of these other characters um les jacobs um the little brother of david he is really enchanted with jack oh for sure and I, I think he, you know, he's, he's like, wow, that's a guy, you know, that's a man. I, I want to be like that guy. He has uh, my brother two
1: male yeah. role models already, and yet still mm-hmm. focuses on Jack, which I think is, I, I think is. Uh, is interesting.
0: Why Why can't his... He's a guy who can solve problems, right? He's a guy who people lead. He's pow- He's our superhero. He's my Batman. Jack right?
1: promises easy solutions to problems and an optimistic mm-hmm. outlook. David and his mm-hmm. father realize the fight is more complicated, and that's a right. downer of a message. You can see why... I, <laughs> you know, there's one guy who's saying, it's going to take a lot of hard work to solve these problems. And then there's another mm-hmm. guy who's like, we can do it in a week. Uh, if you're a little kid, right. which which one do you go towards? <laughs> Pick the week. Right, yeah.
0: exactly. Uh, Sarah, uh, who is um, the sister of David. Um, I think she's really pretty. And I think she's, they, I think that little romance is
1: really sweet. I think so too.
0: Uh, they, she wants to connect with Jack and he's flirtatious with her, but he can't really commit to her because of the conflict. He wants to, you know, he wants to escape New York for those wide open spaces where he can just reinvent himself and be, be Jack Kelly. Right. But um, yeah, he struggles with, boy, if I stay with her, I'm going to have to be truthful. Joseph Pulitzer, Robert Duvall. There is a great little story on the Disney plus uh, extras where Kenny Ortega says, they ask him, well, who should we get for this, this role? And he's like, I
1: don't know, Robert Duval and Robert. And so they pitched him, and he's like, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> so I hesitate. I hesitate to talk about this character too much, Andy, because I think it's only a matter of time before our podcast is nominated for a Pulitzer. And I don't really oh. want to sink, I don't <laughs> really want to sink our chances. Uh, but, but That's sad. that. That being <laughs> said um who if you were going to say he's the antagonist whose antagonist is he who is he foiling in this movie uh and i'm i be, because the truth of the matter is the thing that i get about pulitzer from this movie is he has no family right like 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 right. the news he might be rich and wealthy the newsies have each other pulitzer has like some yes men in his office but we don't see Mm -hmm. him connected on a personal level with anyone and we're not led to believe that he can do that
0: right i think it's jack right i mean i think that he and jack are both leaders and they're both detached people if if jack continues in this vein um could he be Pulitzer in thirty years? Yeah,
1: there was a part of me that wondered as I was watching this movie: Is this going to end with Pulitzer adopting Jack? And that that is a bizarre concept to make, but but if you if you actually like see that they recognize each other, that they're on some level the same. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it's probably why I felt that way. Um, that that maybe yeah. Jack was going to in some way bring out. Maybe it's because we watched Pollyanna two weeks ago, but that maybe Jack maybe. was going to yeah. awaken something in Pulitzer, not just defeat him, but but brighten his soul in some way, open his eyes to what it should be to actually be the voice of the newspaper. It's not about beating the other newspapers. That is that is right. It, that's not where the war is. The war, the war is being, you know, an adversarial press to hold up truth to power. This is a newspaper man who benefits from the systemic problems in society and corrupt judges, corrupt wardens, uh, and, and doesn't expose them.
0: Right. And has every uh, manner of possibility of exposing them. With one of the largest newspapers in the world, right? He is
1: a worse character I mean, than a, Scrooge.
0: He is terrible. Oh yeah. He's terrible. He's awful. Yeah.
1: Um uh, that being I, said, I love that being it, said, Pulitzer Committee. We recognize that you are not him. <laughs> and uh and we will accept the award if 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 uh It would be an honor to be nominated, honestly.
0: Absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. Okay. Uh Brian Denton, who's played by uh, Bill Pullman, who I think does a great job in this movie. Um, He's the journalist who helps the boys sort of in that spirit of Horace Greeley uh, that we never really flesh out who Horace Greeley is. (laughs) But, uh, but yeah, I, I really, I think the song King of New York. Oh,
1: it's the best song in the whole
0: musical. Uh, I think his generosity toward the kids is helpful. Um, I mean, he recognizes they're not eating enough. He pays for their Stuff he, you know, but then he's got a limit.
1: And he was another one I thought might adopt adopt Jack because that's mm-hmm. a, I, listen, listen. I love found family, but I, I mean, we. Again, geez, Pollyanna really did a number on me, Andy. I just want everybody to live together in one big house and love each other. That's basically what what I want for every movie, I think now.
0: Uh, but but keep- of course, there are other there are other characters here, too, with the Warden Snyder. We've mentioned him and Kevin Teague and Meta Larkson and Anne Margaret. I think it's interesting how we have these characters. Well, and Duval, they're kind of they're small parts but the the actors i think bring a lot to pretty i'm mean, not much material and they bring a whole lot to it right so
1: it's kind of fun i, I think so too uh yeah yeah i end up um, liking everybody yeah. Even, even, yeah. even the people that i dislike i like the performance of um you know and and that's that's all good Let's talk about the music for a little bit. I have one quibble, but I like,
0: I really love this music. It sticks in my head and I sing it a lot to myself. Um, I love carrying the banner. Um, I think it's super fun. I think the Santa Fe again is that longing what Jack really wants. Um, the, The world will know is basically the same song as seize the day to me. They're sort of the same, yeah, um the scene the scenes are identical, and there is that part in the movie, like you mentioned in the middle, where it's all sort of the same for a while, and not much el- not much happens. I mean, we sort of get stuck with the scabs and the soaking and the dancing and the whatever, but it just doesn't it's it's not moving. It's not the plot's not moving forward. We're sort of stuck in
1: plot for and, a little bit. And for me, I don't like the move mu- the music nearly as much as you do. King of New York is A plus oh, material yeah. for me. I da, 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 Exactly. Da, da, exactly. Da, 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 I added <laughs> I added that to my um, my my inner child soundtrack. I I love that song. The rest of it felt to me derivative of things I've seen in other Disney musicals. Also written, you know, uh, probably you know same composers. Uh, so Santa Fe right. uh, reminds me so much. If you've ever seen the Beauty and the Beast musical, of there there's a song that that I am home, you are home, stay with stay with me. That bell sent ba da da ba da da. Oh no, I have not heard that. It's the same Santa Fe. Like it's like there are constantly strains that that I'm hearing over and over again that that are just reminding me of other better Disney musicals. (laughs) Which is not to say that this is bad. It's just I honestly don't remember most of them when I'm done when when I was done with it. And I don't I don't really care to. My bigger issue is the way that this movie uses dance. Where where the dance doesn't necessarily tell a story or feel organic to what the characters are experiencing, they're showing off dancing moves. They're doing some great choreography that I would love to see on stage. Mm -hmm. Um, But when... I have two quibbles. Number one is, like, it's treated as if it's sort of diegetic dancing that actually there really Mm. is this dancing happening in this historical street. They do a dance and then we stay in the scene and they come out of the dance and they keep walking. Uh, When I, when I see dance in a movie, I really want to be like, Hey, I've entered a heightened state of reality. This isn't what's happening right now. It's, it's just, it's just being advanced. But Well, I mean, disagree with me.
0: Um, I mean, I think I think that's the nature of a movie musical, right? Is that everybody knows all the steps. And then all of a sudden there's a a company behind you and they know all the steps.
1: And then we all go on to our regular, regularly scheduled program. It's where you cut after you cut to another scene you don't stay in that scene have everybody hold as if they're holding for applause then shake it off and keep walking you you exit the heightened Mm. reality and you come back to the real reality and you do that by shifting camera angles which is not something i want to get too much into uh right
0: but i i mean i see like where if if kenny ortega was trying to bring back the idea of the movie musical which at that time in 1992 There just weren't, I mean, you didn't have live action movie musicals anymore. It was antiquated. And if he was trying to bring that back, I can see this as sort of a singing in the rain or um, Brigadoon. Or some of those other movies that we're more
1: familiar with. But significantly older movies. In a cartoon Mm -hmm. animated musical like The Little Mermaid or Beauty and the Beast, it Mm -hmm. doesn't bother me because that entire reality is heightened. It's because this musical has one foot in, this is a historical drama, and another foot in, but we also like to sing and dance. You can't do both things in the same scene for me. Uh, The other Mm -hmm. thing, the kind of dancing that they're doing is less impressive to me in film than it is live on Broadway. It's just mm, watch, where, where there's the, always that tension of this is happening now for real. There is no other take. It's just going right. to happen. I, I prefer that on the stage. Um, mm-hmm. I just do. I just do. I, well, and I like this. I think
0: the the picture of it in the beginning, the dancing, everybody's kind of doing their own dance. And when they become a union, they're all doing the same dance. Like, everybody's on the same page. And I think that's an interesting kind of shift uh, as choreography in the movie. But, yeah, to each their own, right? Uh, pitch time. Why don't you go? F- so given. Why don't you
1: go first on this one, Andy? Because <laughs> I didn't prepare one, so I need a little. I need a little vamping.
0: You need a little minute. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, given the film and the Broadway musical, uh, which is really popular, uh, I what I would do with this material is okay. So, Newsies is set in 1899. I would love to see what happened to the Newsies in 1914, fifteen years later. Are they running the papers when World War I breaks out? Uh, What happens when that trauma hits the nation in New York? How do they use their old survival skills to support uh, the country in the face of European aggression? Uh, Women's rights are happening. I'd like to see some more women in talking about uh, voting. And and not to mention, um, there's a killer flu outbreak, too. So what, um, what happens here, I'd like to see pay off in about 15 years. Uh,
1: could it be called fluzy's oh, yeah. about the killer? <laughs> <laughs> the killer flu? No, it could not be it called Floozies. I, though, I so. got it now. <laughs> I've got the flu in New York. No?
0: No. Okay. That cannot happen.
1: Um <laughs> You're awful. I, I love okay. it. <laughs> I, I'm I'm still vamping. All right. So so. Okay. What would I do with Newsies? I'm gonna go in. I think a different direction. I want a Newsies 22 minute animated series, um, okay. which which you know like ink and paint sort of sort of thing, where like there's it's basically an animated sort of little rascals, but but we we've, we've got like. Pulitzer and Warden Snyder as the weekly antagonists and, you know, David, Jack and Les having adventures uh, on a weekly basis, uh, light comedy. We, may, we maybe spend less time on the child labor exploitation and a little more on hijinks, pranking, uh, a little police academy style. If if you will, they they sneak they sneak into the newspaper late at night and print their own newspaper. And that ongoing news, it's like their secret identity. Their superheroes. They've got a secret <laughs> subversive newspaper, and and like every it. every week he's like, uh, every week Pulitzer's like, I'll find those newsies, and like they're always in the background sweeping sweeping with the brooms, and 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 that's my that's my improv it. pitch, uh, you know. I spent 15 seconds on it. it. Disney, I'm available. <laughs> <laughs> well, what movie are we tackling next week, Larry? Uh, next week, it's another one that I've never seen. I have never seen Tuck Everlasting. Uh, oh, you're in for from a treat. 2002. I know it's got um, Alexis Bledel. Uh, who, mm-hmm. who I loved on Gilmore Girls. So, so. This is basic, William Hurt. I, I mean, you know, but I'm a Gilmore Girls a person at heart in my heart. Yes. Surprisingly, the Venn diagram of people who love Pollyanna and love <laughs> Gilmore Girls, I think, is just one circle. <laughs> That's my guess.
0: Oh, well, if you like what you're hearing, will you do us a favor and share this podcast with another Disney or classic movie fan? And please check out our Once Upon a Disney Facebook page or drop us a line in our mailbag at OnceUponADisneyPodcast at gmail.com. So until next time, friends, see you real
1: soon. See you real soon. I got to sell these papers, Andy.